In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. that was Miles Monroe that said, you, you are the way you are because of the why you are. Go back to the why, and, and that's gonna take some time. You have to do some exploration, some digging, some mining. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is for you to become your best by calling you in to the arena of manhood, calling you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and calling you up to your absolute best version of you. Because when you get it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Men in the Arena. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here with the producer and co-host and good friend, Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good. Hey, man, I am too. I'm really excited about today's guest. This guy is an expert in a field that I think is a huge issue for men. Uh, it's, it's the issue of uh, answering one of the two most important questions in life. And I believe the first question that's most important is, who am I? And the second one is, why am I here? And, and this guy is going to come on. His specialty is calling. So he's going to answer some of these questions today for us. I'm really, really excited about him. But before we bring him on, do you have any kind of iTunes review for us? I do. The Northwest Hunter, you need to hit us up because we want to send you some swag. swag. So uh, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, he He's like sick and tired of uh, the world welcoming timid, passive, and weak men. And he loves what, what's going on here. And he wants to give you a shout out for, for challenging men to not only live this life uh, in the arena, but in our homes and in our churches, and just yeah. get into action. So, yeah, the arena is all inclusive. It's a holistic view of life and living for Christ. So, that's awesome, man. So, you got a man word for me today? I'm yes. gonna, I'm gonna guess, guess it. it. Guess it. It's calling. <laughs> is it calling? I'm like, why are you talking about our guest already? Is it and calling? Like, Am I right? Pumping everything up. Yeah. It's okay. Calling. Why? Well, besides the fact of our our guest, why did you choose that word? Well, if men knew what their calling in life was, they could make a huge dent in this world. But when you don't know what that is, and you're just kind of just winging it and flinging it in life, um, you'll never be your fullest potential. But figure out what your calling is, and then go after it. Yeah, I think that I think that a guy who lives without a calling is is like shooting a shotgun. So like I just had some chucker for dinner last night and you've got to lead those things. You're spraying and praying, you know, you're throwing it out there but 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 I I view calling. Calling's been a huge part of my life. I've uh had a personal mission statement since I was age 32 years old and it changed major one time where God shifted my assignment uh but the essence of who I am has stayed the same. But I think that uh, as men, when we understand our mission, our calling, that we shoot a bullet. Uh, we, we have a single focus. And I, I hope Gary uh, agrees, but I will see. We're going to bring him in and talk all about this in just a second here. And so, yeah, I appreciate that word, man. I think that guys need to understand who they are. So, hey, I want to introduce my new friend today, Gary Barkalo. He is 63 years old, lives in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Been married to his wife, Leah, for 40 years, coming up here soon, and they've got four kids, 35 to 21 years old. Gary's been studying and speaking on the subject of calling for 25 years. He's the author of It's Your Call and the founder of Noble Heart Ministry. So he's formerly served as vice president 
of Athletic Branch of Campus Crusade for Christ, Athletes in Action. He did that for 15 years. Worked for 10 years at Focus on the Family as a Director of Legislative and Cultural Affairs, and later as the Director of Staff Development. After Focus on the Family, uh, he was on the leadership team with John Eldridge and Ransomed Heart Ministries, and he's now the founder and president of the Noble Heart Ministry. So I want to introduce you guys to our new friend, Gary Barkalo. How you doing, man? Good, Dale and Jim. It's great to be with you guys. Great to meet you both. Yeah. You, you kind of look like Eldridge a little bit to me, <laughs> but you haven't made fun of my elk. He made fun of my elk. Well, you can't see the elk from here, so it's good to have <laughs> you on. I'm not seeing much of it, but I <laughs> not much warned, to see. you forewarned me not to make fun of it, so yeah, I won't. It was a Colorado elk, so be careful. <laughs> they may be a little smaller over there. So, hey, I want to just start off today, Gary. We're going to loosen up the juices and get you going here uh, with what we call our rapid fire round. And so what okay. I've chosen for you today is uh, it's just the finish the sentence round. And I've chosen uh, uh, some sentences for you to finish that I think that you'll resonate with and it will be very in tune and in line with your calling and your passion. So are you ready to rock and roll? Ready. All right, man. First question. If my wife could change one thing about me, it would be? Um, uh, I would say being more gentle with her. Man, that's good. Does she ever use the phrase like "rescue your beauty"? Uh, occasionally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're familiar with it. Yes. You've probably heard it before. Hey, here's a yeah. question for you, man. A man with a noble heart is a man who is uh, humble, bold, gentle, and patient. Is that written anywhere, or does that just flow? That was pretty easy. Well, you know what? I take that from the verse where Paul said, uh, let us live a life worthy of our calling, live in all patience, kindness, and gentleness. So I start there, but I wanted to put the word bold in. Because, because again, when Jesus talks about that in the parable of the man with a good and noble heart, he said it's the man who hears the word, retains it, and perseveres. And then produces a crop 30, 60, and 100 fold. Oh. So perseverance means there's a battle. And it's not a one-time battle. It's a consistent battle. So you stay in it. Therefore, you're persevering. So you have to be bold to do that. Oh, that's good. Perseverance and boldness. I'd never link those two together, but that is a, a great truth, and that's new for me. I appreciate that. Hey, next, uh, next finish the sentence. The oriented man is... Always aware of the context of his life, both the immediate and the, the larger, the unseen world. Um, someone who understands their story and, and, and God's story, very similar to the same thing. And um, is, is just always aware, just always aware of what's going on in my heart and another person's heart. And again, what's going on in the environment. He's just, he's just tuned in. Radar is up. You know, it's really interesting, as we have guests on our show, uh, Gary, we see a lot of common threads. And I think for men, you know, manhood is almost like the American diet, right? What is the truth? Is it keto? Is it low carb? Is it is it uh, paleo? What's the truth of diet, right? And I think a lot of guys are going, what's the truth of manhood? So when I hear common themes, I like to link them up. And you're mm -hmm. sounding a lot like a friend of ours, Michael Thompson, and he's on yes, the East Coast, and he oh his okay. He talks about the oriented man, and he says basically he is in tune with what I call the micro, which is his his earthly bearing. He's in tune with his surroundings on Earth, and he's in tune with his macro bearing, which is his his uh, context in regards to eternity and heavenly and unseen things. And so I really I see you linking those together. So. An oriented yeah. man is what you're saying is he's in tune with the visible and the invisible, the eternal and the temporal. Right. And and Michael and I are good friends. We we speak together. So I do his Zoe events and he helps me with the Noble Heart ones. But yeah, in the book, I talk about being alert and oriented to story, desire and journey. You know, your own story and the story we live in. Desire. What are the desires of your heart that God has given you? And then journey, meaning the developmental side of what God is doing with you. And so <clears throat> we use the analogy of a, you know, a paramedic who comes upon a trauma victim. And, and we see this in hospitals and all sorts of places where he asks three questions immediately. It's, it's protocol. And it's, can you tell me your name? 
can you tell me what day it is? And can, tell, can you tell me where you are? And if that man or person can answer those three, he's considered alert and oriented times three. And so, so I talk about, we have to be alert and oriented times three to story, story we're in our own story, alert and oriented to our heart. Do we know what God has written there? And, and able to discern, you know, the difference between the desires of the flesh and the desires God has given us. And then, and then alert and oriented to, to a journey. What is God up to in our life? How is he training us? Which Michael talks a lot about training. That's one of his passions. So yeah, those three things. Wow, I really appreciate it. And we had a guest on recently as well uh, that, that uh, Jeff, um, what was his last name? I, I can't pronounce it. Andresian? Andresian. I was like, oh. it's Androsian, oh. Andres. Andresian, another Jeff, good friend of mine. Oh, really? that's funny. Jeff talked about story, desire, and journey. Yeah, and yeah, so, he took it from me. And he's, okay. he's a great, great, great <laughs> podcast on adventure. So we had a great time with him. Yes. All great, great guys. So, well, that's really cool of the oriented man. I never heard that before, Michael, and I'm hearing it more and more that we need to keep our bearings straight and uh, maintain orientation. I, I really like that. I appreciate that. So similarly to that, uh, Gary, let me. how about finishing this sentence? The calling is... The calling is allowing your world that God has put you into to experience the weightiness, the brilliance, the splendor, the glory of your life. And, and it's the idea just to expand on that. So I, I believe, and it, you know, this is what I've written about and speak on and work with men on, is that your, your calling is not a job description, a, a, a title, a position. Those are, as you, as you talked about, those are assignments yes. where we bring the effect of our life. And God says, okay, I need the brilliance of your life, the weightiness, the strength of your life over here now. And while you're giving it, I'm going to be developing in it you as well. So it really is, in one sense, a man's calling, a person's calling is the God-given effect of their life. Wow. So, so... My calling, so you would say that calling and mission are different. I would. I would. I see mission far more as strategy, um, that God has an effect for our life that he gives us. It's, it's natural. It is in us. It's written in the form of our desires, our passions. You know, it, it even touches in the things that, as you've talked about before, I've seen, you know, that you hate, that makes you angry. Yep. We often don't look there, but that's a great place to look for. What has God put on my heart, the effect of my life? Yeah. And so, and so we have this effect, and then mission then becomes how are we going to walk that effect out? What is the way that we love to bring the effect of our life to others? And that mission can change. I, I've seen guys that will I, – I, I draw a distinction between our calling and a cause, and what draws us to a cause often is that it touches on our calling, the effect of our life, what's written on our heart. But if, but if we hold on to that too deeply, we will stay in that cause past the time we should have left, you know, because it's the effect of our life in that. And he may say, now I want you to bring that effect to a slightly different cause. So I would say cause and mission are the same thing and calling is the effect of your life. So it's who you really are. Okay. So calling is the why cause is the what yeah i think that's right okay or i'm just how. i just want to unpack this and so and, and is this why men struggle with uh, men, uh their identity so when you're in a room of men the first question you ask them is what's your name the second question is what do you do right and so and so what i hear you saying is that men get confused between their that their cause or their career, I guess, for some, is is the calling. Oh, exactly. This this is where the confusion happens. Yes, absolutely. Now, you know, so so in the Christian world, we will hear pastors talk about, I was called to be a pastor. Someone may say I was called to be a missionary or a counselor. In the secular world, we hear, you know, a call to politics. This is where we hear it, or a call to the military, the call to law. Um, and, and I and I understand people elevating um, certain jobs or positions by putting the word calling to it, but they aren't callings. They're simply assignments. They're a way to live out a calling. 
Um, you know, and I also hear people say, I, I was, I'm called to be a father. And <laughs> I appreciate them elevating the, the, the importance of that. But I want to say it's not a calling. If you have children, you are a father. It's a mandate. It's, a, it's mandate. a mandate. It's yeah. a role in our life. Mm-hmm. And we bring our calling, we bring our effect to our children, to our wife, to our work. But, but so here's what gets confusing to men. When they start to think about a calling, for instance, in the Christian world, they think being a pastor and they think, you know, I don't want to be a pastor. That's not something that's on my heart. So I guess I don't have a calling. And the confusion is, again, because they've linked a title, a job, a position to their calling when they're different things. They're very different. And so I will, you know, want to push into a man's life and say, so what do you care deeply about? Where does it go from, where does an issue go from someone ought to do something about this to I have got to do something about this? Mm. There, there, there's a difference between those two things, especially in our world today when we, you know, we are filled with documentaries on all sorts of needs in the world and we get pulled by it emotionally. But you give it a week, and if you drift away from that, you know, from the, from the passion that was created, just because it's not your call, it's not who you are. So we've got to find the I've got to versus the someone's got to. It's that we call that the Popeye moment. Yeah, I like that phrase. I read that. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can stand. Yeah, but but the millennials yeah. don't know who Popeye was, so we'll have to figure something else out. I know. <laughs> well, and, and 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 here's the other thing. As I tell people, there's a difference between calling and competency. Oh. Because so many times, you know, to help a man find his calling, we'll go to these different competency tests. What are you really good at? And the problem is, honestly. We can be good at a lot of things. We have the intelligence. We have the resources available. So competency is not a good guide for figuring out who we are and what God has uniquely given us to bring to the world. It usually keeps going back to passion. That's really good. Well, you know, it's interesting because when you said competency test, I like to use uh, Rick Warren's uh, older material on shape. So, And Mm -hmm. competency is just a piece of that. So he talks about your spiritual gifts as S. Your heart or your passion is the H. Your abilities or skills is the A. Your personality type is the P. And then your experiences is the E. And so he ties those things together. How, 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 does, how close does that link up with calling to you, the spiritual shape uh, of Warren's material and calling uh, when compared to your material? Very close, very close. The Here's what I personally, in my work with men, try to avoid. I try to avoid giving them any sort of a, a, a title or a box to fit in. And so, for instance, when I speak on calling and help men on this, I don't bring up spiritual gifts. They're all very true. But as soon as I bring them up, a man's looking for a label, right? It's just we want to find a label and go, oh, that's it. That's it. I know where I fit now. And so, I, I don't often bring those up or even personality types, whether it's Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram or the DISC test. They're all very good. But I don't often bring them up because, again, we, we gravitate, especially in our Western culture, to find a definition to fit into and go, that's it. I found oh, it. I'm done. Uh-huh. And so if they go there, and those are very helpful things, I will keep going deeper. I will just say, okay, tell me about that personality style. Tell me about that spiritual gift you believe you have. And then I'll say, no, now tell me about that spiritual gift, but don't use that spiritual gift term. Give me a different one. So for instance, if someone says, oh, I, I'm a teacher, that's my calling, that's my effect. I'll say to them, okay, now say it again, what you're calling your effect is do not use the word teacher. And so they'll struggle for a while because they've lived under the label. They've got comfortable there. Yeah, and, yeah. and so I'll say, is it to bring clarity? Is it to take confusion away? Is it to enlighten? Is it to change? What, what word grabs you? So I want them to go deeper from, from a title, from a label, to a description, to what is the effect that you love to have when you teach? Because you can have different effects when you teach or when you counsel or whatever it is, you know. So... I just am trying to keep people away from the the few labels that are put out there and say, no, there's there's a million things a person can be when it comes to the effect of their life. 
Oh man, you've got me. Ca- you've got me curious now. <laughs> I have so many questions in my brain because I'm a put it in a box kind of guy, mm-hmm. and so I'm just kind of going, okay, this is pushing me a little bit. I'm feeling like I'm getting pushed a little bit, and I like it. So hey, one, one last, uh, uh, one last. Uh, well, no, I'm going to skip the last uh, question for the rapid fire because you got me fired up here. But before we get going, I'm. Ex- I'm this is going to be awesome. I think we've been going. Yeah, we've been going. Yeah, but I mean, it's, my brain has flown here. He's got my juices flowing here so i was trying to get his juices flowing and mine got flowing hey uh, just a, a couple minutes gary can you just share with our audience a little bit more about yourself so they can understand the things you enjoy uh your history a little bit uh whatever you want to share man that to give our uh, viewers uh, an insight into your life yeah so let me let me start this way so <clears throat> um when i went with athletes in action uh just out of college and i was a gymnast through high school and college um, and I had a, uh, the guy who was over athletes in action, gymnastics call me and they, we use gymnastics, like, like ministries use music, right? It attracts people. And then mm-hmm. you share your faith during that time. And we did the same thing with gymnastic performances and that kind of thing. And, th- and those were great shaping years for me. I was convinced that my life had to be about gymnastics, um, for the rest of my life out of college and, and, and for a good reason and a bad reason. The, the good reason was because it was much about that sport. And then afterwards running a gymnastics center, that was who I was, you know, I mm-hmm. gymnastics, you have to understand the sport. Well, you have to understand how do I bring who I am into a performance? And then how do you train? How do you develop the skills to do that? Which in large part of what is what I'm doing now when I work with men, but I, so I love the sport and then, but the negative side of why I love the sport was when I became a, a gymnast in high school, it changed my world. I mean, I became, you know, relatively good pretty quickly. And all of a sudden I had the attention of, I mean, I had the respect of guys in my high school all of a sudden. I had the, um, I had the attention of girls in my high school. My parents paid attention to me. And so part of this, what was going on in me, which wasn't good was, oh, you know, if you're really good at something, you can be someone in this world and you'll be loved and respected. So there was negative and positive playing into my love for the sport and thinking, this is what I need to do my whole life. So I, so I come on staff, I'm, I'm running athletes in action gymnastics and we had a gymnastics center in Southern California. And here's, what's really fascinating. I was convinced this is what I wanted to do with my life. And after six years of running this gymnastics center, I thought, I don't want to do this anymore. I am, mm. I am, my heart had moved on and it, it was a scary thing for me because that's all I knew how to make life work. And God was saying to me, Gary, I have to show you that your life, the effect of your life goes beyond gymnastics. It's that's so small. What, what you are and what I've given you is transcendent. It transcends a sport. It transcends a place of work. It transcends an environment. And so he brought me out of Athletes in Action, eventually brought me into Focus on the Family. And so I'm bringing what I love doing and how I love helping people now into a whole different arena. And and this is helping organizations around the country who deal with public policy and Christianity. And so I'm now consulting these groups and I'm thinking, I'm realizing, oh, I can bring who I am into a different arena. It does transcend a, a, a small thing. And then from focus on the family, then, and that's where John Eldridge and I got to know each other. He and I both worked there. And then after a year, after he had left, he'd come to me and said, hey, would you and Lee, you know, help us develop this, this thing? It, it wasn't called Ransom Heart at the time. We, he just had the sacred romance and, and um, journey of desire at that point and mm-hmm. was writing Wild at Heart. And so we left and um, I brought who I was to that in speaking with him as well as building the organization. And then eventually God was saying, okay, now I want you to, as your illustration, I want you to shoot more of a, a two, two, three round mm-hmm. than a shotgun round. I want you to be very focused on this is what I want you to do the whole time. And that's what brought me to bring to, to start the noble heart. So, so that was kind of my journey. Um, and in the meantime, I was, you know, God was bringing different friends in my life because that's what he does. Not only does he, show us who we are and the effect of our life through hardship and then through successes. But he brings people into our life that make deposits into mm-hmm. our life, mm-hmm. into the glory, the brilliance of our life. 
and so and so if we'll look back on that we can say oh i i see what john brought i see what what um brent curtis brought in that relationship and all these other men in my life as he was depositing and honing who i was to be so yeah it's been a fascinating journey that's cool i appreciate you sharing that so you sent us in your bio this quote i want to understand and articulate the idea of personal calling at a heart level I'm compelled to help people live alert and oriented and to persevere in their God-centered calling. I will develop messages and environments that help people connect to God, to their heart, and to others in a way that will spoil them for a lesser way of life. What is that? What is that that you sent me? <laughs> that, is, that is what we call a calling manifesto. Okay, I, yeah. Yeah, and, th- and this, is what we, this is what we bring men to at the end of our weekend together is... You know, when I was writing It's Your Call, my editor, I was talking to him and I said, you know, writing is so hard for me. I, maybe, maybe I'm just not cut out for this. And he said, Gary, everyone who writes talks about how hard it is. And he said, the reason it's so hard to write is he, he said, and he was, he was quoting somebody, he wasn't sure who it was. And as of today, I'm not sure exactly who said this. I've researched it. But the quote is something like this, writing forces us to detangle our thoughts through our fingers. That's good. And I thought, that's why it frustrates me. No one likes to detangle something, right? But it is so essential with our thoughts to detangle those things. You know, so what is it I really believe? What is it that this really means? And so that's why we force men at the end, after all these exercises they've been given to try to bring to the surface what has been written on their heart without their mind editing all those things. Because mm. men especially have a, have a great editor. Maybe great's not the word. Maybe an awful editor. <laughs> you know, <laughs> editing every thought. You're not, you shouldn't think that. You shouldn't want this. You yeah. shouldn't do that. So we have these exercises that get the heart to speak without the mind editing. And then when that's all done, we say, okay, now you need to write. What is the effect of your life? What is the thing you can't help but do? And you know, this is the piece of the kingdom that God has given you that he wants you to hone and to offer. So, so that, that's, in essence, at least another draft of my calling manifesto. Yeah, that's what I was assuming, that this was your calling manifesto. I mean, I actually knew it because you said it in your... So is this something that a man who sits under your leadership will walk away with this, uh, quote, calling manifesto? Yeah. So, uh, yes. So it should like that, that tells you, um, Jim, that this is what my life is going to be about. I want to go deeper in understanding calling at a heart level. You know, there are some phenomenal books out there on a intellectual level, on a theological level, and I've learned from them, but I want to write and communicate very much at a heart level of what is calling? How do we find it? How do we live from it? So my life is going to be about understanding and helping others at a heart level of calling. And, and part of what I put in there was I want to help men walk out their God-given calling because I see other people, you know, they'll run with this and they're just finding, they're trying to find what would simply make them happy. And I'm saying to men, men, your life is about something bigger than being happy personally. Yeah, yeah. It's happy in the kingdom, your place in the kingdom. And and that's what I'm going to be about. I'm not going to, I'm not, on my watch, I'm not going to let men pursue just personal happiness only, you know, if I'm going to walk with them. It's it's just like you said, your your ministry, your message is all about Jesus Christ, you know, before, in the future, in the present, same thing on this one. And I want to help them persevere because it's going to be hard. Well, and there's a lie that we're taught that Christianity means prosperity, it means comfort and ease, and that's the opposite of Christianity. And Jesus, when he comes, I mean, it, it's a difficult life, and it's a persevering life, and, but it's a rich and a full and an abundant life. It's a brilliant life. But what I have found is that Jesus, when he when he radically changed me, he ruined my life and my plans, you know, and, and gave me something much better. But he had to deconstruct the the false narratives that I had bought into. And I, I really appreciate what you're saying. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something pretty vulnerable. I'm gonna let you critique something. And tell me if I'm off base on this, because this is my personal vision statement for my life. So I would say this is my personal. I want to be careful that I don't. I think that we are saying the same things, but we're using different terms. So this would be what I would call my manifesto. 
My Calling Manifesto. I'm going to read it to you, and I'm going to I'm going to ask you to tell me where I am wrong. So this is not an argument. This is a you coaching me. So I'm going to give you okay. an opportunity to coach me in real time here. I hadn't planned on doing this, but man, I'm hearing you talk. I go, man, maybe I'm off a little bit here. So let's let's get this thing on track. So here's my personal uh, vision or my calling manifesto as I see it, and I've seen it this way since I was uh, 32 years old. So we're at uh, 21 years later, right? Is that the tortoise? Yeah, 53. So here we go. To glorify God, letting him mold me through humility into his image, loving my family with honor, leading others with grace, living every day to its fullest with courageous abandon, and leaving a legacy through writing, speaking, and changed lives. How would you push back on that? Or where would I you? I, I, a couple things. One, what's difficult about your question with me right now is I, I don't really know your story, which uh, I would love to get to know you. Gotcha. So that's context. I need context. But here's, here's what I'd say and here's what I'd ask you. Um, I would say that is just a great picture of a man who walks with God, what his life is to be about, what it is to look like, because that's the question the world asks is, so what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? And I think you just painted this great picture. And here's a question I'd ask you. So Jim, to be very, very unique to your life, no one else has your life. No one else is you. What is it in addition to those things that you just mentioned, that you must see as a result of your life. You're going, now I lived well. Yes, I love my wife well. And all the things that you mentioned, which are essential, especially when it comes to our roles, difference between calling and roles, right? Roles are the things that we have to do because we are a father, we are a husband, we are an employer, we are whatever that is. But beyond that, what is this thing that you hope to change? Let me put it back. Let me say it the way I said it before. What is the particular piece of the work of the kingdom that God has given you that you care deeply about? Well, you know, as soon as I read it, I realized what you were going to say, and that's it. (laughs) And so for me, the last part of my vision statement really is the crux of what you're saying. Uh, My kids have told me for years, Dad, you don't care about money. You're not motivated by money. I'm not. I'm motivated by significance. I'm I'm motivated and by this last phrase to to leave a legacy through writing, speaking, and change lives. I want to live a significant life because of those lives that have been changed because I've been in it. That really would be closer to what you're saying, correct? Yes. Okay. So my, my follow-up question is, what is of all the ways that a, that a person's life can change, that needs a change, what's the one that would be at the top of the list? If you couldn't change the 15 things in a person's life, only one, what would that one be that you care most about? Um, I would say for sure it's to be radically committed to Jesus Christ and His understand of who they are, that people understand who they are in Christ. Like, not just say I'm a Christian, but to right. actually, it's much simpler than that, but it's much more radical than that. And that that's my passion. Okay, so another follow-up question. With that, with that they're a radical follower of Jesus Christ, what would that look like that you would go, that's it, that's what I love seeing that's what that's the fruit i've been looking for what yeah. would that look like in a person's life that would look you? like um the lives of those around them being changed for the better because of the change in that person mm-hmm. so that they are affecting their world that that's yeah. that's the that's the line of demarcation for me that they're serving so, uh, and they're they're impacting those around them because to be anonymous is to not produce change, but to be known, to be you use the word glory, glorious and radiance and brilliance. Yeah. That person affects its his envi- or her environment, and that's what I'm passionate about. 
So what would they have to do to affect, affect the lives of people around them? What would they literally be doing to have an effect? Well, serving and loving. Okay. Serving and loving others. Yeah. So speaking to others, right? Coming alongside. We're going to take a 30-second break. We're going to hear from our sponsors. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with a mission to help men become their best version and change their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts, and every man in the arena matters. Our closed Facebook forum for men, appropriately called Men in the Arena, is a great way for you to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today. Hey, because of my passion to see men get out of the bleachers into the arena, I want to offer a free resource to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Simply give us your email. We'll send you a PDF copy of the field guide. This is my 365-day bathroom book for men. It's a study of manly words in the Bible illustrated with great stories. This is a great resource for all of our arena men. Guys, you're going to love this book. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those in the anonymous bleachers pleading for you to get in the arena today? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. So uh, let me ask you one more question. I know it sounds like this is my podcast. I'm interviewing you now. No, no, no. I want to get into your stuff real quick, though. So, yeah. Okay. So, you know, what? what is it that you see failing, not working well, particularly in men's lives, that you want to see change. And so therefore, this is what you want to inspire and train Mm -hmm. and help another man do because you see this not happening and you know it's essential. Is that rhetorical? Is that rhetorical or do you want me to answer that one? No, I want you to answer it. Oh, I don't think they try. I don't think they're trying. I don't think men put forth the effort in the right directions and I can't stand... uh, I didn't like it as an athlete. I, I don't like it as an adult. When men are not putting out the effort when they can, it really frustrates me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so let me ask you, you, you I think you answered this in a, in a beginning comment before our podcast. Why do you think men are not putting in the effort? What's, what's going on with them? I think that a man at his core, I just finished watching the Band of Brothers series uh, again. I like watching about every year. Every year I probably watch it all 10 once. It just really inspires me to greatness. And I, that era, men were called, had a sense of calling, had a sense of purpose, had a sense of rescue, uh, that, that they, they, they knew that if we don't, nobody else will. And we live in a society now where men are confused, uh, they're beat down. Uh, and what a man will do is he'll retreat into his man cave, which may be his career, may be a hobby. And so he will just, instead of pushing back, he'll just go, you know what, I got, I'll just do this thing over here. And I think uh, men have a sense of uh, purposeless and, and have lost their identity, uh, who they are. And, uh, and that, is a, that really has caused them to come back into their shell and just to move into anonymity. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I say all this to say, I, I think you are very much walking in the calling, the effect of your life and Absolutely. what you're doing. And you, you talked about men being, you know, you don't want to see them being timid and fearful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's the root cause of men just don't believe that they really have anything to offer. And if they did, it's not much. And if they did, no one wants it. I, I just, my heart breaks over the men who are sitting there idle or hiding yeah mainly because it's not so much they're afraid of you know injury rejection or whatever else it's just they don't think any anybody wants anything from them and so to awaken them right to shake them and say okay let me start with this i need you yep you know and i'm one of a thousand so i uh, i i know that's the effect of your life i can tell it in your voice and the, and the words you use. So uh, let me ask you one more. Let me ask one more question of actually Dale. Dale, you know Jim well. Yes. What What would you say you have experienced as the effect of his life? The thing that he just emanates. It just comes out of him. It just radiates. What What would you say that might be? Uh, challenging guys to step up and lead. So all the questions and things he told you, I could have answered for him <laughs> because <laughs> I know him so well. Yep. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's in the DNA. 
of everything that he's about is just pushing men to go to the next level uh, in their lives and challenging them to to do the hard stuff so that you can reap a benefit uh, later on in life of looking back and seeing changed lives. Well, you know, it's interesting, uh, Gary. I I don't think that men are as broken as we say they are. I think that we have brokenness. I say that we have sin, but here's what I think. I think when a man has an epiphany moment, like just a moment, he has a moment when he gets it. Like he gets it. The light comes on. Oh, my calling. Oh, I understand Jesus. Oh, a man's supposed to do blank. Once he gets it, I believe everybody starts to win. I don't think men need this massive amount of psychoanalytical counseling, $100 an hour. I think that guys go to a camp like yours, sit under what you're doing, they get fired up, and they're ready. I mean, we always need people in our lives, right? I'm not discounting that. But when a man understands and is inspired to change, he naturally can do it. You take a guy who can barely read, but you put a 100-page uh, manual in front of him how to how to start his uh, motorboat for his new bass boat and that guy's all in. <laughs> hey, I want to I want to along that same lines there Gary, I want to read something to you. You wrote you wrote there is a life that is so rich and fertile, so strong and resilient, so wise and cunning, so pure and true, so simple and clear that it will touch the world in unforgettable ways. A life of disproportionate disproportionate effect. I love that. But why is finding that calling so hard? It seems to be so hard to find, and the men that walk this path seem to be so few. Why is that? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a profound one. I, I would say, first of all, I think I think um, we talked about confusion. I think there is confusion as to what calling is, as we talked about in the beginning. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It, 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 the analogy I use, it's, it's like looking for gold, but you have an untrained eye. You don't know what the raw mineral actually looks like. And so you could be stepping over it, throwing it out, um, because you don't, you don't have an eye to know what it looks for. And, and, and then also in that situation, you end up falling for fool's gold because it sparkles. It's the right color, and yet it's a completely different mineral. So one, I think, I think in our society, we don't understand what calling is. We think it's a, a religious title. And most men are saying, I, I'm not interested personally. I love work, or I love being in my shop, or I love sitting with a group of men with a cigar and talking about whatever that is. But that can't be a calling. And, and to take them back and say, no, what is it that you love about that? Because now we're getting toward your calling. So there's a confusion. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that um, there's spiritual warfare. I mean, we all know yeah. that's true. I mean, we have an enemy. Once he loses the battle of keeping us away from the knowledge of Jesus Christ and coming into his kingdom, Satan is not done. I mean, he's lost one battle and he's he's absolutely committed to the second battle, and that is stopping us from becoming an oak of righteousness, a display of a splendor, as he talks about in Isaiah 61, 3. And so that battle continues. And I I talk about it in the book where his battle, first of all, is to keep us away from our heart, because that's where God has written who we are, you know, for Philippians 2, 13, for it is God who is producing in you both the desire and the ability to do what pleases him. So mm. if Satan can keep us away from our heart, we can't read the map. And, and he does that primarily through wounding, you know, where we just, we go through enough heart experiences and we say, I, I don't ever want to feel that again. So we turn the heart off. And that's like turning the, you know, the GPS off. You, it's not going to help. So yeah. One, he tries to distance us from our heart. And then if that doesn't work, if we go, no, I'm not going to shut my heart down. Then he tries to, he brings in diminishment to say, you know what you have to offer? It's not that much. And, and we hear those internal sentences. We all do. I, I've surveyed people around the world doing this for years. And I'll say, what is the accusation that you hear internally? It's your in, that internal voice, whatever you call it. I'm not good enough. <laughs> and people will say things like, you're too old. You're too young. No one wants to hear from you. you. You don't sound intelligent when you speak. You don't have anything to offer. 
Um, you're not trained enough. You're not educated enough. I mean, people tell me, and these are just such common sentences oh, yeah. that they are haunted by. And that's the diminishment thing of spiritual warfare that plays out. So it says, okay, if you're going to stay attached to your heart and believe you have something, I'm going to convince you that it's not worth anyone's time. Don't offer it. It's embarrassing. And then if that doesn't work, uh, then he plays what I call the, the disdaining card, where he says, okay, you offer it. And he sets us up where we offer what we see, what we hear to others. And then we get criticized where someone says, I- I'm sorry, did I ask you your opinion? Mm. You know, you don't have that position here. You're not a pastor. You're not an elder. You're not, however that plays out. And we get to a point where we say, God, just turn this off, okay? This seeing, this hearing, this perception that you've given me uniquely to me, turn it off. Because when I see it, it's hard for me not to offer it. When I offer it, I get slammed every time. So just make this stop. I don't want to see anymore in the particular way you've given me. And that's disdaining the very gift and life of God in us. And so we have to be careful we don't do that. And then the last thing that Satan does, so it's it's distanced us from our heart. It's, it's diminishment plays out if that doesn't work. It's disdaining. And the last one is the disqualification card, right? Mm. Where Satan goes, really, Gary? I, I know what you saw last night. I know what you thought. I know what you did. I know your story. You are not qualified. And he will play that one if we don't mm. stay under the blood of Christ, abiding in Jesus. <clears throat> that is our only way to fight this. It's not, you know, we can't just yell, it's not true. It's not true. That doesn't work. We have to yeah. come under the truth of God. So we have a spiritual warfare component in this as well. Yeah, that's really good, man. I, I love it. He turns the heart off. You know, Jesus called that callousness. Yes. When your heart, when you're callous, you can take a knife and cut your callous right off and, and you don't feel a thing. And I think we have a lot of men in our world that do not feel. They've they've uh, lost that ability to feel. And so, well, you said also, you said, speaking of feeling, you said that uh, you talked about desire and ability. Those sound like they're huge components to a man understanding his calling. Oh, it's so big. To, to bring a man back to the idea of desire, what desires have God has God put on your heart? They matter. Yeah. And most of us feel like they don't matter. We've been told that in one way or another. And to say, the desires on your heart are God-given. And not all are good, right? There are desires yeah. of flesh and that kind of thing. But find those because that defines who you are and and what more of a loving thing does an intimate father do with a son than to say i want i want you to live the life that you want to live and i've given you the want to i mean that's what god does Mm -hmm. and we have this impression that to walk in god's will we have to give up the life that we want to live it has to be a life of regret in some ways and, and I see in Scripture where God says, no, actually, it's the opposite. I've, I've, I've put in your heart what yeah. I want you to do. Now, there's going to be sacrifice. There's going to be hardship and heartbreak in it. But it's the idea of there is nothing greater than living the life I've given you to live and fulfilling the mission I've given you. Yeah, that's really good. I, and I've had guys tell me, I don't want to... Uh, get too fired up about God. I don't, you know, I'll go to church, but I don't want to get serious about Jesus because I still want to live my life. And I'm like, well, you know what? The life you're living is nothing compared to the ride (laughs) that he's got in store for you, baby. You know, we just don't realize the wild ride. You know, you said it's rich and fertile, strong and resilient, wise and cunning, pure and true, simple and clear. You know, this is what we're talking to men about. This is what Jesus meant when he said, I have come to give you life and life to the full. You know, you can't go full with the, you know, dipping your toes in the water. You got to go all in. So, so here's my thought. I think as men, sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. That's why we get a guy like you on here and you're so, so helpful for us. You talk about mission clarity in your, on your webpage and, and, and that this is possible. And I really believe it is. I, with all my heart, I believe it is. If it is possible, how do these men, how do they hear God? How do they start this process? So let's walk this. So I got a guy listening to this podcast. He's a he's a 25 to 45-year-old man. He's driving to work. He's got a family. He's got kids. He's living in the stress bubble of life. Uh, he's Most of our guys would say they're Christian guys. Uh, he's uh, 
He's a hardworking guy. He's got an education, and he's going, give me, give me the how-to, baby. How do I do this? How do I begin to unpack what you're saying in practical utilitarian ways. So what, what would you say, uh, like what roadmap would you lay out for these guys? Okay. So I would say before you get to the how or the what, we need to get to the why. Why are you the way you are? Because, and and that was Miles Monroe that said, you, you are the way you are because of the why you are. Yeah. Go back to the why. And, and that's going to take some time. You have to do some exploration, some digging, some mining to, to discover what has God put on your heart. So your first step would be in how would be to find out the why. Right. That's what I'm hearing. I'm just wanna, yes. I want to unpack this to the guys. So what you're saying is, hey, guys, you need to find out why you are the way you are. Okay, go ahead. Yes. yes. So, so another term would be, what is your God-given compelling? What are you compelled to do in every situation? You, you may not do it, but nonetheless, and, and let me give you an example of that. So for me, my whole life, I've always been interested in, in this idea of purpose, uh, original intent, if you will, you know, our calling, what are yeah. we created for? And so, you know, my wife and I, we may go out with a couple to eat and just spend some fun family, social friendship time. And, and we may be talking and, you know, maybe something comes up where the guy goes, yeah, I just watched this movie and I love this movie. It's the fifth time I've watched this thing. And, and I'll say, okay, wait, 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 five times. Tell me about the movie. What you, right. You do this band of brothers, what, baby. <laughs> yep. What do you band brothers, HBO? That's such yeah, a I just watched all awesome. 10. I do it every year. <laughs> so awesome. So what moved you? Was there a particular scene that was like the best? And, and he'll start to tell me about the scene. He may even start to choke up telling me about this. And my wife, if she's close enough, she'll either, you know, kick my ankle or give me the elbow and the elbow, or she'll give me those eyes. And the eyes are, and all that is to say, Gary, stop it. You're doing the calling thing. Stop it. We're just here to leave these people alone. (laughs) Exactly. But, but see, the thing is I can't help it. It's my compelling. Yeah. Now there's times I have to help it, right. Where I have to go, Hey, you know what, Jim, let's, let's get together for coffee sometime. I want to talk some more about this. Yeah. 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 But, But my point is there is something that is always on in you. Right? It's your compelling. It's a God-given desire. It's always on. You're always listening in a particular way. So earlier in the podcast, you asked Dale, Dale, tell me about what you know about Jim. So as a man is trying to unpack his compelling, as a man is trying to understand what Simon Sinek calls his why, is one good tool asking those who care about us the most what they think it is? Is that one of the tools you offer to men? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And, and, and let me add something to that as you brought up the question I asked Dale about you. And I did that for a reason is because we are often too close for clarity, right? We, we can't see it. I'm, I've got all this stuff, desires and fears and rejection and hurt and the ought tos and shoulds. And I have all those playing in me. So it's just a lot of noise. And, and I need someone from the outside where I can ask a good friend who has walked with me. He understands the journey of the heart and a journey with Christ. And ask him, when do you see me most alive? Uh, what what am I compelled to do? What do I? Where do I always go eventually? In a conversation or situation, and most people can go, oh, I can tell you that in a heartbeat. This yeah. this is you, like Dale said about you. Oh, it's challenging, you know, challenging men. Um, I I just always go to calling. You know, and guys, my friends will look at me and say, Gary, not everything is about calling, okay? Well, you made a good point. It almost becomes annoying to those around you because they've heard the same record playing a million times. Right. So what about me annoys you? Oh, you never stop talking about calling. You know? <laughs> right, 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 right. So that No, that's really, I really appreciate this, Gary. I think we're really unpacking some things for men. So, so I understand my why. I understand my what you call. I love the phrase compelling. Uh, one of the ways I do that that's effective is I ask the people around me uh, to to tell me what they think. So that's a that's a great. What are some other tools that you offer guys in, in, in understanding their calling? 
Yeah. So I, I tell people that we need to be story centric. You need oh. to understand your story. I mean, God has been architecting, choreographing, uh, engineering you your whole life, even before you knew him, he was doing it. You're his creation. Scripture says you are his masterpiece. So he's been doing this. So you look back at your story. What have I loved? Where, where have I excelled? What, where have I always been pulled to? And then you can also look at the things that have come against you because more than likely, it's been very specific to shut that down. So we have to understand our story. And, and it's very hard to understand our story alone. You know, as, as one man said, while calling is personal, it is never private. Mm. So, so to tell our story to a group of men, and I know you talk about this, it's so important to, first of all, to hear yourself tell your own story and to tell it to men who are really listening yeah. to help you understand your story more. So we need to be story-entric. We need to look at our life because he's been doing something the whole time. So I can look back and say, yeah, I, I can see why I love gymnastics. I can see why I got into this and why it went well. I can see why I got into this next thing. And it has a theme to it. Like you said about your life, Jen, there's a, I've had different assignments, but the same effect. We can see that in our story. We need to be heart centric, which means we need to go to our desires, right? What have I always cared about? What moves me to tears? What makes me angry? These are tools to talk about, to explore. And then we need to be, um, I would say journey centric using those same three points we brought up before is as I look back, what has God been developing me through the, through the people he brought into my life? What did they bring? And what did those hardships, those trials, those failures, what did I gain through those? And sometimes we only gain by looking back and learning. Now we didn't learn in the moment very well. Yeah, correct. A, a man who mentored me in my life for many years said, we don't learn from experience. We learn from evaluated experience. If we learn from experience, we would all be immensely wise. And we <laughs> wouldn't have that time. saying, hindsight is clear. <laughs> hindsight right. is twenty twenty. That came right. from somewhere. Yeah. So this so, 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 so this is really powerful stuff. Yeah. So those those are the tools. And and I would say, okay, there there's something that's very important. I, I hope that every man journals. I hope you just write down you know, what is it you sense God's saying to you? What what moved you with a movie that you saw, a conversation that you had, a sermon you heard, a particular scripture that really grabbed you, a book that you're reading, and you just simply write in your journal, wow, I don't know what this is about, but it's there's something in this about me. Or you do know what it is, that you keep that, you keep a journal, you write those things. And I always encourage men, go back. You have collected many dots but it may be time now to start connecting all of those dots. God's been speaking. You know, he's not confused. He's been saying the same thing to you in different ways. So go back and look at your journal, start to connect those dots. And then, so that's a big one. And then the other one is you've got to be with other men and ask them, what do you see in me? I think that's so powerful. You know, it's funny. I sat there yesterday holding back the tears from the final and 10th episode of Band and Brothers that I've watched probably 10, 15 times now, asking myself, why am I so emotional right now? Yeah. And, and I realized because these men in my mind were heroes, but they went back and became postmen and construction workers. And mm -hmm. they just went into their everyday life and they went unnoticed, except in that movie. They were anonymous except for that show that HBO miniseries, and I thought, oh, yeah. the tragedy of doing a great thing and not being known for it. You know, there, to, me, I, to me, I saw it as a personal tragedy, even though these were victorious heroes. I thought, oh, thank God this show came out and glorified what these guys did because nobody else would have. And so right. that, that unlocked something in me, right, that would go back to my calling, where somebody else may not be moved to that level. Right, so, so part of you... You're passionate about, I'm guessing, about men knowing that they have a weighty, glorious life. They are needed right now in the battle behind whatever front yes. line that it is, yep. right? Yep. Right. I can see how you were moved to tears in that. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so if I'm a guy driving to work, I'm listening to this right now, 
I'm hearing you say, I just want to read, we're getting to the end of our time here, and I, I'm, I've ordered your book, Gary, and if it's okay with you, uh, I'd like to bring you back on sometime in the next, maybe early 2020, and really unpack your book. I think there's some powerful, powerful things to be had here. I need to understand, first, I need to understand my why or my God-given compelling. So, And then I need to understand my story, like which, which is uh, the things that have come against me, uh, the place where I am right now. I need to understand my God-given desires, uh, the things I'm passionate about, and I need to uh, look at my journey, uh, look back on my journey and say, okay, what, who are the people that have been brought in my life? What are the things I have learned? What are the mistakes I've made? What are the things I've done great to bring me to where I am now? So those four things might move me a little closer uh, as I navigate around a group of men who I've locked arms with, with who, who care deeply about me and are bold enough to speak the truth. Exactly. And, and to put it in one metaphor, I would say to this guy driving in his car, I would say, all right, why don't you spend the next six months or year um, simply collecting every dot, all the intel you can about who you are. You know, um, go back and watch those movies that you love and ask the question, why do I love this movie? God, what are you saying in this about who I am? Uh, you know, go back, look at your journals, go back, just start thinking through your life again, collect. You don't have to connect them right away. In fact, that's the worst part you could do is connect dots too quickly. Just collect as many as you can. And, and this can be fun. I don't want a guy to sound like, oh, this sounds like, you know, college assignments. I hate this stuff. No, I'm, I mean, movies, uh, conversations, asking others, what do you see in me? This, this could be really fun. So collect the dots, get some time, do that, and then do this with a group of men. Let each man do this with their own life as well and speaking each other's life. It will be amazing what will be discovered at the end of that time. So you did not say connect the dots. You said collect the dots. Is First. It, oh, okay. So can you explain one more time what collecting, what they're collecting? Okay. So, and again, maybe the, maybe the word, and especially talking about Band of Brothers, is we're collecting all the intel that we can, <laughs> you know, that God has been speaking. And so, you know, maybe you start a brand new kind of journal, some kind of book or, or something on your computer, which is... What has God revealed about who I am? And it, it, you might put in, gosh, I love Banner Brothers, just like you were saying, saying, especially that last scene, and describe it and then put down, why do you think that is? Oh, I just, I want a man to believe that he has a place, he has something to offer, and he needs to offer it now. It's, yeah. it's the arena uh, analogy Absolutely. you give on your website. So you'd put that down. You'd put down you know, say, God, help me remember, what have people said to me, either in way of encouragement or maybe in way of a prophetic word or whatever that is? What, what have people said to me in the workplace when they said, man, you're really good at this? You know, just collect every dot you can. What scriptures have I, you know, I'm terrible at Bible memory, but I'll tell you, there's three scriptures that I know. Well, there's a reason for that. It resonates with you. What are those scriptures? What does that mean? So just collect as much intel on yourself as you can. And then after a period of time, then it's time to connect it. But don't connect, you know, you can't get two dots connected and say, I see the picture. No, you see a line. That's all you see. So we're collecting, I'm just rephrasing this because I'm actually, we have a boots on the ground mission after every podcast, and this is going to be it. So I am collecting the dots. I'm collecting intel about things in my past or present that bring me to life. Yes. Things spoken, things experienced, things watched, things uh, thought about constantly that bring me to life. Man, that is so good and so rich, and I uh, thank you so much. So now, so Gary, uh, am I correct here? If the guys want to get a hold of you, they can get a hold of you at gary at thenobleheart.com. Yes, or correct. they can see, learn about your mission and your your web your your ministry at thenobleheart.com. Correct. Yep. Man, thank you so see. much. Any parting words? I, I just would want to tell the guys listening. Is I, I want to say I can assure you that God has given you a glorious life when you came to Christ. He He said, "Listen, I've come to heal the broken heart and set the captives free because." 
I want you to become, and you are becoming an oak of righteousness, a display of God's splendor, mm. splendor, brilliance, glory, weightiness, strength. And you are that, and you are needed now, absolutely. And, and by discovering what God has given you doesn't make you that all of a sudden. You are already that. You just need to understand it so you can navigate your life well. You can know in different circumstances, I know why I'm here. Because I can see this that no one else sees, and I need to speak up on that, or I need to help somebody in this. Whether you're behind the lines, <clears throat> you're behind the lines is the workplace you're in, the church you're in, the relationships you have, whatever it is, those are your front lines, and God has given you something to bring. So I just want to assure men, it's not something you hope to find. You have it already. You just need to identify it and offer it. And thank you so much. And Gary, it's so refreshing to talk to a guy who is in sync with his calling, who understands and lives according to that. It's been super refreshing to have you on the show. So I just want to say thank you so much, my friend. You're welcome. Jim, it's been a pleasure. Dale, it's been just an honor. So thank you so much, guys. We're going to get you back on here. So, hey, uh, men, it's time for our Boots in the Ground assignment. This is something we've been doing just at 2019. And so here's what we want you to do, guys. And we're going to put this on our weekly e-blast. We're going to put it on the Men in the Arena Facebook forum with men representing 85 nations around the world. And here it is, guys. We want you to collect the dots. In other words, we want you to collect intel about the things in your past and in your present that make you come alive. So just make a huge collection of this stuff. Uh, we're going to bring Gary back on uh, probably in the next year sometime, talk about his book and even unpack this further. But in understanding your God-given calling, guys, start collecting these dots and putting them. You don't have to put them together yet. We just want you to collect them, and we'll share uh, on our uh, arena page some of the things that uh, make you come alive. It'll be fun and encouraging, guys. So super excited about that. And uh, guys, you've been listening to the Men, Men in the Arena podcast. We have some amazing resources to help you on your journey to become your best version. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you download our free app called The Men in the Arena with tons of resources come alongside you in your journey to manliness. Also, get a hold of our uh, Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men. We're actually in the middle of building a new platform that'll work with this, but it will be email-based. So, so for the, all of you guys out there without Facebook who've been telling me, I don't have Facebook, we're going to build something for you guys. It will be free. And also go to themenarena.org, sign up for our weekly equipping blast and the electronic version of our 365-day bathroom book for men called The Field Guide. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Understand your calling. Grind it out and be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world on our closed Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. In our passion to help all arena men, we're offering an excellent free resource when you visit our homepage at meninthearena.org. Simply give us your email, and we'll send you a free PDF version of Jim's book for men called The Field Guide, a bathroom book for men. It's a daily study of manly words in the Bible explained with great stories. Thank you for listening to this episode the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, thank you for joining men in the arena from around the world who are becoming their best version. And remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.